So I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual growth, and hopefully you're able to take a little bit of uh, what I talk about tonight, apply it to your life, and uh, be on that path of uh, spiritual growth. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll dive in, all right? Father God in heaven, thank you for uh, this evening, and God, thank you for this time that you've given us to just hear from you, God. It's you that we want to hear from, and and we, we pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our ears to, to hear uh, what you would have uh, said to each of us individually, God, and uh, together as a body, uh, that we would uh, leave uh, these four walls, God, that we would leave this uh, church building uh, different than the way that we came in. Father, we're just so thankful for your grace and your mercy and your love uh, in our lives and the opportunity we have to serve you and to be part of um, your plan and purpose for our lives uh, in this world. We ask that you would send your spirit at this time and that we would hear from you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. So sort of my premise tonight is this, is that spiritual growth, right? You be, we become a Christian and God calls us to live more and more for him. And that, that spiritual growth uh, that God calls us to and that journey is, is more like a, like a path, right? All through the scripture, about seven, eight hundred times actually through, throughout the scripture, uh, we're told that life is, is like a path. It's like a journey down a, a path, right? So like Proverbs 3, many of us know this uh, particular proverb. Uh, Pro, Proverbs 3 says that uh, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Right? And lean not on our understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways, and He will direct our paths. Right? Psalm 119, there's a passage that says, He is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Right? All through the Scripture, we're told over and over again that, that life is like a path in the spiritual growth, following God, living for God, growing in your relationship with God, is like a path. I'm going to say it's more like a path than it is, say, like a door, right? Because a path is something that, it's something that really can be, uh, if you're walking a path, it's something that can be really boring, actually. And sort of mundane, repetitive, right? The only way to truly walk a path is to sort of just keep putting one foot in front of the other, walking down the path, and it becomes boring and monotonous and blah, 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 right? Because notice that it doesn't say, run the path, you know, skip on the path, hop down the path, right? Do cartwheels down the path. It doesn't say that. It says, walk the path, Right? Because you can run down the path, you can skip down the path, you can hop down the path, you can do all those things. But if you're going down a path in that fashion, you're not going to get very far. You're going to tire out. And that's one of the reasons why spiritual growth, following God, developing a relationship with God, is more like walking a path. You may not feel like when you're walking a path that you're getting anywhere. But if you continue to just put one foot over the other, right, left, right, left, right, it becomes what feels like mundane, but you look up 
and you start to realize you're somewhere that you weren't before. It takes a while. It takes time. It can feel boring. But you just keep moving. Just keep going. Some of us have, you know, right, like walked paths, like literal paths in our life. Like you've had a, man, I've had to walk all the way to wherever, fill in the blank. And it felt like it would take forever to get there. But you can't believe, you actually kind of like look back and you're like, man, I can't believe I've actually walked that far. I can't believe that I've gotten that far. And so when it comes to spiritual growth, it can feel very mundane. It can feel boring. It can feel like you're not getting anywhere. In fact, other people are oftentimes able to look into your life that haven't seen you in a minute. And they're sort of like, man, that person has really grown. Like, man, the last time I saw you, right, you, you, you were <laughs> yeah, you were a mess, right? And, man, you've grown so much, but yet you haven't been able to necessarily see it in your own life, right? And that's sort of like what uh, spiritual growth is like. Now, I say that that is different than sort of walking through a door, because in our culture, I feel like we want it to be like a door. And there are passages of scripture, right, that say that our relationship begins like walking through the door, right? And when I say walking through the door, opening the door, that's sort of like a one-time deal. It's very quick, right? Turn the latch, turn the key, turn the knob, walk in, boom, right? But there's nothing about spiritual growth that is like that. It's the very opposite. You may become a Christian in a moment, but it takes a whole lifetime to grow wise, Right? That's like becoming wise is not something that happens overnight. It happens over time. But we want it to happen overnight, don't we? Right? Like th- this is how our, this is why this is why like discipleship or spiritual growth is so contrary to so much of our culture because we want everything like right now, right here and right now, my way right away, right? Isn't that Burger King slogan or something, right? Like, that's how we want it. We sort of are like, all right, I surrender, do it to me. You know, we kind of want, you know, give me the pill. You know, give, give me the three steps. All right, give me the three steps. Give me the two lessons that I've got to do, right, in order to be wise. But it's something that is more like a path. It's not a latch you turn. It's not something you just walk through. Now, one of the things that Scripture actually teaches us about spiritual growth, one of the primary ways to walk that path of developing a relationship with God, a deep, meaningful, powerful, impactful relationship with God that you can grow in, right, and and understand more of what, what God wants for your life is through actually reading the scriptures. Just knowing the scriptures. Knowing what, if you want to know what God says about your life, you want to develop and relate. Like, take for instance, my wife Amber and I, right? Imagine uh, her and I have, trying to have a deep, meaningful, impactful, powerful relationship with one another if we never talk to one another. We just never talk. Lived in the same house or whatever, and, you know, put money in the bank, or what have you, and did different things, but we never talked, 
never communicated, never had that part of a, of a relationship. It wouldn't be very deep. It wouldn't be very meaningful. And so one of the primary things that God teaches us about having uh, a relationship with him and growing in that relationship is knowing the scriptures, knowing what he says uh, in the scriptures. So one of the, I think the best places that you can actually go to that actually explains this is in the book 2 Timothy in chapter 3. So in 2 Timothy, for those of you who don't know, the apostle Paul wrote uh, this letter. To Timothy, Timothy was like his protege, right? The Apostle Paul, he would go all around uh, the sort of the known world at the time, and he was planting churches, he was starting churches, and then he would raise somebody up, and, and that he would place that person over uh, the churches that he uh, was starting. Now, when he writes 2 Timothy, this is like one of my favorite uh, letters. So, the, the Apostle Paul, he wrote like 80% of the entire New Testament. And much of it is, are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches uh, that he started or he, that he wrote to people like Timothy, right? We believe that those letters were inspired by the Spirit of God. That, that it was the very words of God, but they were inspired, right, to be written through the Apostle Paul, Right? And what I like so much about 2 Timothy is that we know that, that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Timothy when he was in prison. He was in prison in Rome, right? So it's just a very short time. So the whole, almost all of the Apostle Paul's ministry life, he's trying to get to Rome because that's like the capital of the the empire right is going to rome it's like the most influential city that he could possibly go to and he knows that if he gets there he can he, he's going to be able to advance the gospel in ways that he couldn't from anywhere else but he also knew by getting to rome it was going to be like certain death for him and he gets to rome he's imprisoned and so he knows it's just a very short period of time and he tells timothy this when he's writing to him that it's just a matter of time before he's executed, essentially. And when, when Paul writes this, he's down in a dungeon. We know that like his prison cell would have been like sort of basically like a pit, a dark pit uh, that he had very little probably access to light, let alone other people. And, and, and we know that Paul knows he was going to be executed in just a minute. In fact, near the end of the letter, he says, he, he says to Timothy, hey, I want you to come to Rome, and I need you to bring me some things. And, and, and a few of the things that the Apostle Paul asked him to bring with him are uh, a cloak. He wants a, a jacket. Uh, he, and he tells him to bring the scriptures. Bring the scriptures with you. And then he says, come before winter. And I think one of the reasons why he says, come before winter. Because if Timothy takes too long, he's going to get to Rome and Paul won't be there anymore. And so he's saying, come now. Now, one of the, one of the things that Paul tells Timothy in this like dying letter that he writes to Timothy he says this in chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, but as for you, now he's, he's talking about some other people right before this. that were no longer following the gospel. They were no longer faithful. They were no longer walking the path. Some of these people that Paul was talking about previous to this passage. He says, but as for you, Timothy, 
continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So the Apostle Paul, we know he's about to be executed. He wants to leave some words to Timothy that, hey, the way to continue to grow, in order for you to continue to fulfill the path that God has for your life, do what? Continue to learn what you already have begun to be taught. Continue to, to pour yourself into the scriptures. Why is that? There's a, there's a few things I just want to point out for, for a few minutes that we have left tonight. Of what Paul, I think, really wanted to get across to Timothy and get across to us as to why it's so important to continue to walk that path, particularly through reading the scripture. And pouring into that. The first is this. Is that it's through the scriptures that you're going to actually know God. That you can know God. Notice that in verse 16, right? He says that that, uh, all scripture is breathed out by God. And Paul is actually showing Timothy that, hey, if you want... How many of us in here... I mean, I hear this all the time as a pastor. I really want to know God's will for my life. I really want to hear from God. How many of you in here want to hear from God? Right? Well, then read the scriptures. I mean, really, you say, well, you know, God really has sent us a text message. I hate to, that's kind of corny, but it, but it's true, right? I mean, like he, he really has said something to us. And, and, and what he has said to us is, is an authority. And it's through what he has said to us in the scriptures that we can actually know God, that we can hear from God. Now, oftentimes we look, we go to the scriptures and we sort of think that like, that the Bible is sort of like a magic book, you know? And we sort of be like, open it, and be like, you know? Or we just sort of, like, what does it say? And then we kind of look, and it says, and then he walked out and hung himself. No! Like, you know, I mean, for real, right? I mean, like, the, it's not a magic book. Uh, like, don't over-spiritualize it. God has given us this, the scriptures, but too often we're sort of just like looking for a sign, right? We're, we're, we're saying, I just wish that I could hear from God. When he has given us everything that we really truly need. He has told us everything that we really need in order to know him. But in order to, to truly know him through the scriptures, you've got to you got to see it as an authority to your life. Meaning, you, in, in order to be wise from it, you've got to submit to it. You've got to kind of get underneath the weightiness of it. You've got you to get under it. You've got to let it weigh on you. And this is one of the things that Paul is telling Timothy, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Right? And it's, it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for, for these different things. 
But one of our big issues is that we don't want to get underneath it. We want to stay above it, right? So uh, a way to say this would be sort of like, in order for somebody to perform surgery on you, you've got to get under the knife, right? Now, in order to have that knife, right, that knife, so you can't, somebody can't, oh, I feel like that's, like, oh, does it sound poppy? Any, uh, but, in, but in order for somebody to, so, so somebody can't use like a piece of styrofoam on you to perform surgery. Why? Because it's too soft, right? It can't, it can't cut through you, right? It can't cut the skin. It can't get inside you. It can't get where the problem is. It can't perform the surgery because it can't cut. Right? In order for something to actually perform surgery on you and to heal you, it's something that you have to get under, and it's got to be something hard enough. It's got to be... It's, so, Scripture has to be a hard enough truth. So, you can't like distance yourself from it or stay above it and be in authority to it. You've got to get underneath it and allow it to have authority over you. But in order to do that, you've got to be willing to accept some hard truths. See, surgery can't really happen. There's not going to be any wisdom that begins to be produced in your heart and in your life if you're always in authority, right, over the scriptures. You've got to be willing to put yourself uh, underneath it. Now, of course, many of people say something like this. And I'm not trying to offend anybody in here, but if you are, I guess, whatever. But, uh, sorry. Uh, but, so, when people say something like this to me, they say, oh, I don't, I don't believe the Bible. I don't, I don't believe the Bible. Now, I try not to be offensive, but I'm sort of like, that, that's really an intellectually ignorant statement. To say that you don't believe the Bible. And I know that there's people in here right now, you're thinking, well, I don't believe the Bible. Is he talking to me? I, yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Um, and why is that? Why, let me hold up for a minute. So over 80% of the Bible is history. Undisputed history. Over 80% of it. And that, that scholars don't even debate whether or not it was history. So for you to say, I don't believe the Bible, is to say, you don't even believe history. So that doesn't even make sense. You see what I'm saying? It's an intellectually ignorant statement for you to say, for me to say, I just don't believe the Bible. You've got to kind of reword that and say, I don't like what the Bible tells me to do. That's a different statement. That, that's different than saying, I don't believe the Bible. For me to say, I don't like what the Bible tells me to do or what the Bible tells me not to do is something that I don't want to put myself underneath the authority of to tell me how I should live my life. You see what I'm saying? That's different. We can at least get with that. Because that's at least uh, a, an intellectually honest statement about what the Scripture teaches. But in order for you and I to actually grow in our relationship with God, we've got to be willing to sort of at least get underneath the authority of it and say, I don't like that it's telling me to do that. That's not what I want to do. That, I'm not saying that in order to get underneath the authority of it is to say, I like everything that the Bible tells me to do. Like, that's just not even true. That's not, in, that's not being, you know, 
uh, emotionally true, right, anymore, if, if we say that. So, but in order to uh, really, truly grow in a relationship, watch this. In order for us to grow in a relationship, you have to be able to put yourself in a situation. We have to be able to put ourselves in a situation where somebody is allowed to um, disagree with us. Right? If you try to build a relationship with a person who's never allowed to disagree with you, you won't, that's not a relationship. That's a puppet. Right? That's either a puppet or a robot, one or the other. And a puppet and a robot you can't have a relationship with. So if I, if, if, if I told Amber, my wife, again, right, that she was never allowed to disagree with me, right? Like how good of a relationship is that going to be? Right, like it's you. In order to have a truly uh, a, a a relationship of depth, you have to be able to be willing to put yourself in a situation where somebody can disagree with you, and and maybe you could be wrong, right? Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. So if this is one of the reasons why we're we have such a huge problem as humans, like with insecurity. So if you're like somebody who can't ever receive any constructive criticism, let's say, right? Anytime anybody tries to give you any kind of constructive criticism, you sort of rebuke it, right? You're sort of like, you disagree with it. You get all defensive, right? And so nobody, everybody's sort of on eggshells. Like, in a, well, then, and you never allow somebody to challenge you on anything. You're always left insecure because then you never really know whether or not what they're telling you is what they really think or feel. You see what I'm saying? If you never give somebody a license to tell you hey, you could have done this different, or maybe, hey, this is how you really came off, or, no, I think you actually were wrong. Like, if you never give somebody, you just want everybody to agree with you and validate all your feelings and thoughts about everything, you never really know if they're ever truly telling you what they think. And then you're always left insecure. So no matter what they say, it's sort of like, I wonder in your heart whether that's what they think. So in order to have a relationship with God that's built in in insecurity... It can't be one that is, is just based in God always telling me what I want to hear. Because if it is, then I never really can trust if he's being honest with me. You tracking me? So any relationship of depth is always going to be something where we're putting ourselves at least in a situation where they're allowed to speak authoritatively to some degree in our lives. To give us hard truths that maybe other people, right? We or or maybe we don't even necessarily really want to hear. And in order to ha- to have that relational depth with God, we we've got to like what I would say. So that it's it's sort of just got to be hammered. It's got to be hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered into our lives. So, for instance, Proverbs 3, back to that passage that that I mentioned uh, earlier. Proverbs 3, verse 3, right before 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your understanding, right? Right before that, it says this in verse 3. Let love 
and faithfulness never leave you. It says, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. See, it's sort of like, so it's not enough. Think of it like this. It's not enough for you just to go, to show up to church one Sunday or Wednesday or whatever and just go, oh, God loves me. God loves me. Why? Because you're going to just very easily like forget about that. If it just stays surfacy, oh yeah, like God loves me. It's never going to like have a lasting impact in your life. The power of it isn't something that's going to have lasting impact in your life until it's like written on the tablet of your heart. And then it begins to have uh, make a huge difference. Think of it like this. You have a big old boulder. In fact, oftentimes in Scripture, it describes the heart of a, of a man or a woman, right? As a, as a man, like, that our hearts become calloused and hard, right? So, so if you just think of a big old rock. And if you want to, if you have dynamite, right? And you want the power of that dynamite to affect that rock. If you just sort of like throw it on the surface of that rock and, 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 uh, and light it, what's going to happen? It'll just like, I mean, the power of the dynamite, right, isn't going to really like have a lasting effect on, on the rock. It's just going to maybe chip off the outside of it a little bit. But if you want it to like, if you want that rock to really be impacted by that dynamite, if you drill a hole down deep into that rock and you put that dynamite down in there and then you let it, you know, you you detonate it. What happens? I mean, it just impacts the whole rock. They'll split the whole rock apart. Now, listen. This is part of the reason why I say this. Why it's so important that it just that that God's love and faithfulness is not something that just stays surfacy in your life. That if you want to experience a relationship with God and experience growth in that relationship, it's something that's got to go deep down into your heart. And that's where the power is. It's got to be written on the tablet of your heart. So, there are all kinds of things that are written all over your heart. And if we were to get real here for a few minutes... And you were to just really examine the things that maybe you really truly believe about yourself. Because of what your parents wrote on your heart. What they wrote on your heart. Some of them maybe were good, but others not so much. Maybe there are exes in your life. Past friends. People in your lives that, that spoke over your heart. Spoke over your life, spoke over you in a way that carved in you. In fact, you have been telling yourself over and over and over and over again. All kinds of different things about yourself that may not have any basis in truth. But yet it's affecting you because you've written it on your heart. It's written down deep and you can go on the outside. I don't care what people think about me. And you do way too much because you've allowed them to speak in a way that has just carved into your heart. In a way. In that you and I, right? It's not something that, oh, I'm just going to read about God's love and faithfulness some, one time. It's, that, that's why God tells us to read. The Apostle Paul says, continue. Continue in what you've already learned. Write it deep into the tablet of your heart. 
Look for ways to continue. That's got to be repeated over and over and over and over again. If God be for me, who can be against me? If he who did not spare his own son also gave, right, gave up his own son for me, how will he not also graciously give me all things? Because there's all kinds of things that are happening in this world, in our lives, that are saying, God can't possibly be for me. If God was for me, in fact, I can't believe I did this. I, God will never be for me anymore. Think of all the things that are just recited over in your mind, over in your heart, over and over again. I was thinking about whether I would even, this may be a little, maybe not too gruesome for many of the people in here. So I'll just go ahead. But here's just an example in my, in, in my life. Like, so one, one of the passages of scripture, like that I feel like maybe are one of my life verses. Maybe many of you have just passages of scripture that really speak to you. Maybe it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your soul. My, right? Mine is like Mark 10, 27. Where Jesus looks at, the, at his disciples and he says, with God, or with man, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Now, can I tell you something? I got that, I've got that tattooed right here on my leg. Got, I know, isn't that cool? I've got, a, I've got a tattooed. Now, you want to, and now this is where it gets a little gruesome for you, but let me just, I've, I've got that tattooed right there. Can I tell you why I chose to get it tattooed right there? It's not because it's hidden. So much as many of you guys know that I was a heroin addict. Can I tell you that there were tracks all right there? Over and 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 over. I went in there until it's been a mark on there for years and years and years. And so when I went to go get that tattoo, I said, I want it written right over it. I want it written over the scar that, that what seems impossible with man is not with God. With God, all things are possible. So every single time, right, I go to put on my pants or whatever it is in my life, I see that again. And I'm reminded of, you know, most days I just brush right past it. I don't even see it. But other days, I'm reminded of it again. God is good. God is powerful. God is for me. He is not against me. And you know what? That's something that is not just going to, that just is, is going to make impact in your life by just sort of staying on the surface. That just like a lot of things we did in our lives, we're over and over and over and over and over and over again. Man, in order for you to grow in the relationship with God that He wants for your life, it's something that's going to have to be written over and over and over again. And, and that is how you will ultimately really have a lasting, impactful relationship with God because you can know God and know what He really thinks and feels for you. Let me just say this before we finish up. Now that you know God, you'll know yourself. So you notice that in verse 15 it says, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, right? For reproof. Reproof is sort of like, so not only do we need to be taught, right? But reproof is like, we need to be, like, there's things that we believe that are just wrong. 
right? How many of you know, like the older, I like to say the older I get, the wiser my dad is, but my dad hasn't changed. You get what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's some things I've learned as I've gotten older, like, dang, he was right. I had it wrong, right? Now, if that's true for my, uh, you know, my, my biological father, how much more true is that for my spiritual father in heaven? Of what, how many things he, he has been teaching me for a long time. You're wrong about this. Evidently, you don't want to hear, right? But there's certain things in my life, in your life, that he is saying, you're wrong. And then you need to be corrected. God never just says, you're wrong. He, he corrects us in it, right? So another way to think about this, right in verse 15, it says that the, the sacred writings are, are there. It, it'll make you wise. So... The road to wisdom uh, is sort of like knowing you're a fool, right? If anybody sitting in here who's going, I'm, I'm wise, you're on the road to foolishness. That's essentially what scripture says. There's all kinds of proverbs that say that, right? That if you think, you know, he who, who professes to be wise is a fool, But those people who are sitting here and going, man, I've made some foolish mistakes in my life. I've been a fool. You're on the road to wisdom. Realizing I need to be taught. I need to be corrected. I need, there's things in my life that I, you know, I I like to say, in fact, I say this to Amber and it's kind of only partially a joke, but uh, I'll say things like, the thing is, is that I'm like at least 80% right. I mean, you know. I mean, I'm right at least 80% of the time. My big problem is, right, is that I don't know which 20% I'm wrong. And so I'm always right in my own mind, right? But I know I'm not infallible, right? I mean, so that, that but that's true for all of us, right? Is that, I mean, I, I defend my opinion. I defend my, my basis for what I believe because I think it's right. But I... No, I can't be right all the time, right? Even though I think I'm right all the time, that is foolish to think that I'm right all the time, right? And so spiritual growth is going to come from like a ruthless uh, self-examination. So really quick, so like James chapter one says this, like a, a, a foolish person is somebody who looks in the mirror somebody who like reads the word of god and hears it and then and just doesn't do anything about what it says that's what james says that that's a foolish person right and he says it's like a person who goes and looks at the mirror and seeing themselves right seeing that they're dirty like gets angry at the mirror right like that's a fool that like don't get angry at them like you're dirty the mirror didn't make you do, like, right? Think through that, right? Like, that's a typical, man, let me, let me, uh, what James is saying is that we're, like, really easily deceived. And I think this is funny. Let me share this with you. This is really typical of a, of a man here. I, I promise I'll be done in, like, two minutes. Um, there's, a, there's these studies that I was reading, right? And it says 60% of men Right? Think that they can run a marathon. Now, that is so typical of a man. 
Because most of us men sitting here right now, notice uh, like, I can just see a lot of your face. You're like, I mean, I could run a marathon. <laughs> what, what was funny about it, right? A little practice. I Stop. Watch this. 94% of college professors consider themselves in the top 10% of their profession. Did you just hear what I said? 70% of college seniors believe they're in the top 20% of people who get along with others. <laughs> so this is the best one, though. Listen to this. Now you listen to this carefully. So 99% of all people who are surveyed will say that the world would be a better place if people obeyed the golden rule. You all know what the golden rule is, right? Do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Now, I guarantee you, 90, uh, so basically saying everybody in here would agree with that. That, hey, the world would be a lot better place if people would just do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. Right? <laughs> so, 99% of you, that, but listen to this, 99% of the people that were surveyed say that they do, in fact, obey the golden rule. I mean, do you realize what that is? I mean, what a horrible lack of self-examination on our own parts. Because if that were true, then the world is a fine place. There's nothing wrong with the world because everybody is living the golden rule. And that's what would make the world a better place. Then there's no problems. But we know that's not true. That somebody's blind. Somebody's blind not only to the actions of others, we're blind to our own actions, right? And so the Word of God, the Scripture, is what God has given us to actually read and look at it, put ourselves under the authority of it, and, and it actually have some hard truths spoken into our lives that we would actually not just hear it, but be changed by it. And, and it's through that, right, that, that our lives can actually, we can have a foundation for faith, right? So Jesus says this. I'll just finish by saying this. Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he says that a person who hears my words and does them, he is like a man who has built his house upon a rock. And that when the storms come, when the rains come, it doesn't move. It's built on a solid foundation. It won't be washed away. Notice that Jesus, right? He, he's not saying, hey, there's, for some of you, some people sitting in here, there will be a storm. And so it's really important for some of you to make sure you build your house on a rock because some of you will see a storm. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, everybody's getting a storm. Everybody, if you're living life and you haven't felt the storm, just keep living. And eventually you're going to feel the storm. And Jesus says, though, that, hey, when that storm comes, don't be like the man that built his house on sand. Not on a solid, like, like foolishness, he says. That a man that builds his house on sand, when the storms come, it washes away. 
And that person is, not only does his house fall, Jesus says, great is the fall of that man. That all of us are going to have a storm come in our lives. And what is it that we're standing on? I don't want to be standing on my own wisdom. In what I think about myself, because you know what? I know I'm perfectly capable of getting myself into situations that I don't know how to get myself out of. And many of us have been there. When I find myself in those situations, right, I want to be grounded and founded, built upon the gospel, the good news. That Jesus says, all those who hear my words and do it, that my words are the words of life, right? That that I want to be built upon that because that's where we can have a real foundation in our relationship, not only with God, but a relationship with ourselves, knowing ourselves, growing in wisdom, and actually knowing the path to live. If, you want to, if you're here and you're saying, man, I want, to, I, I want to know what God's will is for my life. I, I want to know what direction to take in my life. The scripture is what teaches us that. Right? The, it says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him right, in, in every way and he will direct your paths. Keep walking. Just keep reading. Right? Take a text. Oops. Wow. Take, take, a, take a text. Take a passage of scripture. Pick a time every day and just begin to walk it. And it may feel mundane. It may feel boring. It may feel like you're getting nowhere. But you know what? Over a period of time, you'll look up and realize, man, I'm somewhere where I was. I didn't ever believe I could be. I have gotten somewhere. I'm not where I used to be. Thank God. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for your word that you've given us. Father, I pray that you, you write that word uh, on the tablet of our hearts. That we would walk out of here and not sin against you, but trust you, walk with you, uh, and be blessed, God, that all that comes with having a relationship with you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.